Thank you for listening to Voices of Grace. I'm Ryan Peterson. I'm with the Communications Department at Grace Community Church, and our goal each and every episode on Voices of Grace is to profile followers of Jesus who are on mission in showing Jesus' love to others. Today I'm joined by someone who has devoted much of her life to helping persecuted Christians around the world. I'm pleased to have Dina Brown with me today. Dina, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk with me. Thank you, Ryan. I'm glad to be on Voices of Grace. Dina is the founder and CEO of Freedom Seekers International, um, and at Grace, we have partnered with Dina and FSI, and I'm excited to share her story today. Um, Dina, a lot I want to talk about with you, including Freedom Seekers, um, but first, can we start with your background? Can you give us a little bit of background on your story, where you're from, and how you came to know Jesus? Sure. Uh, I was born in Texas, Lubbock, uh, lived in El Paso, and then in Plano, Texas. Uh, it was while I was in Plano that, um, well, actually, in El Paso, I came to Christ. Okay. I was about seven uh, and realized I need a Savior, and then moved to Plano and went to a, a missions camp and uh, felt called to uh, missions, and I wanted to share the gospel in China at that time. I went on to... Uh, school at Baylor University, an education degree, and then Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth with a religious education degree. So your family uh, were missionaries, correct? Yes, my so husband and I how, were. How did, how did that start? Like, where was your first... Okay. Uh, Harry, I was finishing seminary, and Harry and I moved to Fort Worth when we married, okay. and uh, then we just stayed in that area. We uh, applied with the mission board, and at the time... Uh, he had to have a master's and didn't, so we thought God had closed the door, and we were just sad. We loved America, but didn't really feel needed here. So about seven years later, things had changed, and got back in touch with the International Mission Board, Foreign Mission Board, and they said, yeah, we got a place open. It's a new country, Eritrea, and we weren't even sure how to spell it, or where it was, is north of Ethiopia, so... We said, yes, we'd love to go, and we spent 10 years there, uh, 1995 to 2006. It was a new country, but had been supported by Korea and China and Cuba, and so within a few years, the communist um, venue came out. Um, the churches, people we were working with, uh, were soon closed, pastors put into prison, so we knew people in shipping containers and uh, persecution going on, and... Uh, just ministered there until they came to us and said, get out or or else. Mm-hmm. So we came back to the States, and uh, we're trying to wonder what the next direction was. And I, I just sensed that I knew too much. I, I knew things that were going on, and I, I had an opportunity to do something about it. So I asked my husband about starting a nonprofit, and he said, I don't really feel drawn to that, but I surely would support you and bless you. So uh, 2007, set up a 501c3, got a lawyer and a CPA, and just began helping um, individuals out of Eritrea. We actually had done an escape already uh, uh, the year before without really officially being a, an organization. So grew from there. What was that transition like for you having to come back? Uh, and what was that feeling feeling like? Was it and a big adjustment, um, the things you had seen, and and then having to just come back. I mean, how hard was that? Well, it it was quite difficult. We had expected to live out our lives there. Uh, but as a believer, I know that nobody expects death or divorce or accidents or what kinds of things. So whatever comes into our lives, the Lord is providing some direction. But no, I, I miss Eritrea. 
It was a wonderful place. Our girls could walk downtown at midnight. We never worried about them. It's just a poor country. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, it was a, a great place for us. So we just realized the Lord had a, a bigger picture. And, and now we see that with the ministry that's developed. So explain to people, because um, I know there are a lot of people that probably aren't familiar, what Freedom Seekers International is, what you guys do, what is what is your goal? Okay, we... Um, we had felt called to really what's considered last resort situations, uh, and they are escape and resettlement. There are not very many other um, persecuted church organizations that focus on that. And um, so we felt called that if, say, if, if you, Ryan, were uh, in a country, and uh, I love the name of your uh, uh, broadcast of, of voices because uh, we are saving their voices. Mm -hmm. Even looking at writing a book we've started on. But if your voice was about to be silenced where you were and you did not feel you were to be a martyr, many know that they are and they will stay there. It's scriptural, uh, lots of history on that. But if you felt that you had more to do, um, we find out about you. You don't really find us on the website, but we have intel and we find out about you and we reach out and say, hey, do you feel like you need to continue somewhere else? And if you and your family do, we help do an underground escape, get you out somewhere, and then we resettle you. We don't leave you as a refugee. That's a really rough place to live. So that's our focus. So we spend many years sometime with a case. It's a, not that we have thousands of cases. We just spend a, a quality time because we believe the Lord would have us um, move you to another place so the gospel continues. The danger that comes with some of this, um, I mean, a lot of this is not, I mean, these aren't, this isn't um, a cushy thing you're doing. I mean, no. you're really putting yourself out there. You have to be bold in your faith. Where is that boldness and uh, just the heart to, you know, I, I feel like you you don't really, it's like you don't take your own safety or any of that into consideration. You're trying to help others. Where does that boldness come from? Well, it, uh, it doesn't even seem like boldness to me in the sense that it is obviously the Lord. I, I, I was there and lived with people and uh, because I can. I, I think I can. In Christ, we can do something. It doesn't take a lot for us as Americans to pray or write a letter or intercede. or uh, We like the idea that we can help connect Americans with the persecuted church because as a educator, I don't want to just rescue the persecuted church. I want to develop uh, the Christians here in America. And how do we match the two together in a partnership? Because scripture calls us to care for those who are suffering. So we see it as a two-sided opportunity to develop the church because our greatest need here in America is our own discipleship, our own walk in the Lord. But the boldness, I think, is just, um, it is just the Lord. He just gives you what you need no matter where you happen to be to walk that faith out. And uh, we're wise, uh, and our, our situations are dangerous, and we often will fly someone in to accompany uh, a believer to safety, but it's no danger to the individual going in. Right. Uh, it's mostly a discernment of how to get them out and how to move them. Um, it's for that individual, but it, it's such a privilege. Hmm. That's a good word. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned it briefly earlier, but I was interested. How do you come to know when there are stories of persecution that you can help? How do you come to know these people, I mean, from anywhere in the world that mm -hmm. you can possibly help? 
Well, it began because we had direct contact from coming out of Eritrea, but then word spreads, and we're related with, or related, we're part of the Religious Liberties Partnerships as an organization, I don't know, of 80 uh, nonprofits that deal with persecuted church. You'll know them, Voice of the Martyrs Canada, uh, CSW, Christian Solidarity Worldwide, China Aid, Barnabas Aid, you know, lots of organizations. So because we knew them, but that wasn't their... Uh, focus or direction, they would refer cases to us and sometimes even support us to go in and rescue them. So uh, those, they come from just one connection. And once you've helped out one, like we helped out an Iraqi a couple of years ago, they're now successfully resettled in Canada, job, school, had a baby there. They connected us with another case they knew, and it's a Syrian case, and we've helped them, and we're still working on their final resettlement. So it becomes word of mouth at that point. It seems like so many moving parts, though, for you to help somebody. I mean, how difficult is it and all the different things and people you have to connect with to, to help somebody that's in a dangerous situation? Um, that's kind of hard to answer. I think part of it is my staff. I, ha- I have individuals that are my COO who is uh, extremely gifted in being able to organize things and facilitate things for us. We have great PR, who people who are able to put out the stories. And for us is um, knowing that we're last resort, we communicate very clearly. If I'm going to get you out, Ryan, this is not just because you want a new life or anything else. Your voice is going to be silenced. Um, We're going to help you out. In general, if you get caught during escape, you're shot. We have had two cases, two escapes that failed. They should have been shot. The Lord spared them. They went to prison for a time, pretty rough. We eventually got them out. Uh, a great story about that soon. In fact, about a week, we're going to go meet with some of their children and uh, some really good things. But anyway, those are some of the challenges that yeah. come from it. Um, and then in terms of just your experience and what you've seen, um, I don't feel like the American Christian understands persecution. Um, you know, at Grace, we have a persecution Sunday every year that we yeah. pray intentionally for specific persecuted Christians around the world. What I mean, with what you can share, what are some examples of persecution that Christians are facing in other countries that that we just don't understand here? Well, I do think Americans are trying to understand, and I think that's why they like to partner with organizations like ours, because they can have a real touch to that. Um, In the beginning, some of it is just um, you're isolated, um, your family may not accept you. Like if, if I'm talking about some Chinese, mm-hmm. um, loss of your job, um, loss of education. Uh, I know of one uh, husband and wife who had children, and their government would not give them their children citizenship because they were Christians. So uh, you know, what does that mean to your future as a child? No education, yeah. no things like that. Besides then the actual imprisonment, uh, those things – when I ask uh, believers about their torture, in, I, don't, I won't speak about those specifically, but in general, they don't want to talk about their torture. They want to talk about what God did and the miraculous things that happened in prison. And that so inspires me, Ryan. It makes me come back and say, man, I am the one that was blessed to be able to visit with you to say, we're going to walk alongside of you. And what can we facilitate in the Lord's purpose in your lives? So... But I, th- I think one of their phrases was unforgettable pain, unspeakable suffering. So you and I actually, I met you this year 
um, as uh, we are working to help a church from China, the Mayflower Church. Um, People that don't know, uh, this is a group of uh, 60 uh, from China that are currently in South Korea, Jeju Island, and you have been working so hard to try to get them here uh, in Tyler, trying to get the State Department to grant them asylum. Uh, Stephen Wentcliffe, our missions pastor, and I just recently returned from there uh, doing some videos and getting some interviews. You had been there before we had been there. Um, maybe share a little bit about this story and why this one is so close to your heart. Um, they, you know, they think of you as a grandmother <laughs> and just the experience and maybe kind of share people and fill them in on their story. Sure. Uh, January of 21, uh, I was talking with Bob Fu at China Aid, uh, praying about next adventures. And he told me about this group. They had escaped in 2019 from China, uh, because they're, uh, they had undergone in about probably seven years, uh, various types of persecution there to where the last straw was where their Christian school for their children was closed. And the, uh, Chinese government said, if you don't teach them the way we want them to be taught, then we'll basically take them from you. And so they said, okay, we're, we're out of here. So about 60 uh, of them were able to um, go into Korea uh, to look for uh, asylum there to see what might develop. Uh, and so they've been through many court cases until you may share more. You spoke with the lawyer while yeah. you were there uh, where they're finally sitting and uh, the U.S. government, in general, if you go to a country as a refugee and that country is not persecuting you, then you're safe and you can stay there. But in their case, though the Korean government is not persecuting them, the Chinese government continues to persecute them, calling, harassing, interrogations, to the point that now the congregation do not leave their compound. Their fear of going out into Jeju Island is a beautiful city, but they, they don't. They don't go out, and every two weeks, the elders of the church drive in to buy groceries. So they're restricted to their compound and in fear of being kidnapped and taken back to what would be called re-education camps. Uh, China has considered them um, treasonous because they spoke against China. They spoke about persecution, and China says you don't have the right to say that we're persecuting you, closing your church, taking your children, and so um, they cannot return. Uh, the, I think the passion comes from when you hear a story, and, and recently one of them, one of their 17-year-olds, is written like a manuscript. I've got to get that to you. It's like an Anne Frank diary. It's pretty phenomenal in her perspective of her persecution and what has happened. And hearing their stories and, and about them and the courage they have. Mm-hmm. I know you've gotten some video material of them. That is phenomenal to me. That is what I think the Americans would love to hear, to say, what is it like when a 12-year-old has to leave his grandparents and family and everything he knows and likely won't return, and how his own faith in Christ is encouraged. So the story really is not just a story. Yes, I've spent three weeks with them. We realized about two months ago that because they're in fear of the Chinese persecution that Chinese still go to Korea uh, and that we said, well, what if Americans came and just hung out with you? And they said, oh, my goodness, China would never do anything if Americans were around. So we said, okay, well, Jeju is like a, the Hawaii of Korea. 
we'll just have Americans go this summer. So we've had a number of groups of individuals that are just spending their vacation there because the American presence, and there's some Taiwanese and some Japanese churches involved, provides protection for them so they can go in town. We took the kids to the beach. Hadn't been there in a year just because I hadn't been out. Yeah. So that's an easy thing for an American to do. It's not dangerous for me. Um, they provided housing for us and food, so it just cost me an airplane ticket to get over there to say, I'll, I'll hang out with you. So we've provided some ESL for them. Um, and then the, the work with the State Department is because FSI is a resettlement organization and we have a 12-month resettlement program, we do it legally, it's a, it's a real win for not only Americans but for Texans because you know the Texas issues we have with uh, challenges mm-hmm. and how can we approach the immigration issue in a legal but a profitable manner where we can have Americans supporting this so there's no financial burden to the government and then in that 12 months that we resettle a family, or in this case, 60 of them, we'll teach them how to drive. We'll help them with ESL. We're going to provide understanding the medical system here, get your kids in school, get them jobs so that they can become uh, U.S. citizens, Americans. Well, I mean, they'll still be Chinese. That's their, yes. their heart language. But they can adjust here and continue with their own desire to share the gospel. And I think it's it's important to, again, point out what you just said. You have everything lined up. Like, this isn't going to be a burden to the State Department. Flying them over, everything. There's not a penny. Just It's a self-pay because uh, Christians want to do something. We have all kinds of organizations that said, as soon as they're coming, everything they need. From the 87 Baptist churches here, they said, we'll provide blankets and pillows and sheets and microwaves. What is it that you need? So what has to happen to get them over here? We are down to... um, Really, the State Department has a couple of criteria, and I think the last uh, terminology I would know is imminent danger. If if refugees are in imminent danger, then the U.S. would have the ability to step in. And so we've recently provided them this information that their persecution has increased greatly, that they no longer leave their compound, so that in that case that the U.S. would say, Korea, we'd like to step in, and we have an organization that will resettle them. Of course, there's funding that's always a part of that. Yeah. that that's going to be available here in people. Yeah. But it's really that the State Department um, has to, to process through their normal due diligence process to say, okay, they're not safe. You And Korea, the local Korean government has even communicated with the Pastor Pan and the others to say, don't leave your compound and don't call home. Yeah. You need to stay hold up and we'd love to try to help you, but we don't have enough police force. So you're really not safe here. So in that sense, we know that we are the last resort for them and there are no other countries asking for them. But emotionally, um, does this take a toll on you? Because I mean, and you have more than just the Mayflower that, that you help. But I know from my personal experience of going, being there with them for seven, eight days, um, the anxiety I feel for them, you don't see it from them. They have this amazing joy. It's actually really fulfilling. It's great uh, to see. But how much does it weigh on you? Or is it you just put your trust in the Lord that, you know, there's nothing we're going to do. God's going to work through us to make this happen. But what would you say to that? 
I, I would say just that, yeah. Uh, I'm a visionary individual, and so I, I see things that are – I. Stephanie Lamb is my COO. She is keeps my feet on the ground as to what's the reality. The two of us work very well together, and we, we're prayer warriors. Mm-hmm. Well, we just pray, and we know if that is the Lord's good pleasure, He will accomplish it. I just want to keep my head clear enough so that I can see where He's going. Yeah. And I really, probably now for nine months or so, I've believed I believe He will bring him here. I, I don't have the timing. Uh, I, I just we were looking at some property here, uh, provisions for them. Lots of things. When you begin to step back and watch God work, that's really fun, Ryan. Yeah. I, I think that's where it is. So, no, it's. Um, I just pray. I, I you know, I've, I've got to leave that with Him, or I'm not able to carry that load. Just like your work, if you become overburdened, then your your family, you all suffer. If uh, if someone is hearing this and they're they're having they have a passion, or they're like, man, I want to help. I want to help freedom seekers, or I want to help the Mayflower. Uh, how can they get involved? How can they reach you? What would you advise them to do? Yeah, I'd say go to our website, or you can email us, dbrown at seekfreedom.org. And we'd love to talk to your church or uh, whoever is involved or you personally, but you can go to our website, which is seekfreedom.org, and it gives you lots of information. And then reach out to us. We, we would. If the Lord is burdening you, that's that's a that's a great place to be yeah to say what are your skills and abilities what is your background who are your contacts um we we have eritreans we're working with syrians iraq i mean pakistan uh, we have all kinds of individuals that we'd love to see what the lord's doing in your life and help facilitate that for your own growth but then that it blesses the persecuted church what is it like for you when you get someone you know, to their destination safely. That has to be that, the biggest high. I it, think. it is. It, it's a really, in fact, we have a family of eight that are just finished their Canadian process paperwork and they're going to be going in. And we have some Afghans we're working with and uh, four of them already have had their interviews and I, within the next couple of weeks, they'll be flying into Canada and there's sponsors there and they're set up. Yeah, it's a, it's a great feeling. We all want to be of value in our lives. I'm an older individual, a grandmother, and you want to see that your life has had uh, purpose in different kinds of ways. So, yeah. And because we can share that, it, it is so simple that I can, I just asked you to go. You took your skills. I, didn't, I just took what you had and said, yeah, we could use it here. So there's not anything we couldn't use. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it was a it was an honor for me to to go over there and life changing for me and yeah um, we'll definitely be praying for them and our goals to get them here. Uh, well, Dean, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come in today. I want to thank you for what you do with FSI, um, your heart, um, you and Stephanie, all you guys are doing to help the persecuted church. Um, you know, you guys kind of work in the shadows; people don't really know, but what you're doing is so important. Um, and it's helping ex- expand the kingdom of God. And thank you so much for what you do. You, well, you are welcome, Ryan. I, I look forward to a number of our families coming here because it expands the opportunities for us as Americans to be a part of what the Lord's doing and the gospel going forward. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was Dina Brown from Freedom Seekers International. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I'm Ryan Peterson. This is Voices of Grace. Voices of Grace.